Canada now has its own Elizabeth Warren story, and the legacy media is celebrating and cheering on this woman's fall from grace. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everyone out there had a wonderful weekend and welcome to the Candace Welcome Show. Thank you for tuning in. I want to talk today about this story over at the CBC. So CBC released this investigative report at the end of October and it really created quite a stir. Everyone's talking about it online. Um, so many other reporters in the country and journalists are talking about it, um, celebrating and cheering this piece of investigative work, saying that it is one of the most thorough, one of the best pieces of research investigative reports um, out there. And I, I, I just have to say I disagree. I, I find that, look, I, I'm a journalist. I love, I love good journalism. I love a good investigative piece, regardless of, you know, the, the, the angle or the political persuasion of the person writing it. There's nothing better than a very thorough, well-researched, well-written report um, that exposes something, that, 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 that digs into something, that, that shows something that is off, that, that exposes either some kind of a corruption or something that's flawed, some, some kind of a cover-up. There is nothing better than good investigative journalism. And while I agree that this piece that I'm about to talk about today is incredibly thorough, they've always done very painstaking effort to expose what they're trying to expose just just to take a step back and and to just say okay we now live in a society we live in a world in 2021 in Canada where a person's race a person's DNA their family lineage the immigration patterns of their great-great-grandparents and, and and their DNA their personal DNA is now open season um, in terms of public scrutiny so we can now have the state broadcaster the publicly funded uh, government funded journalists in Canada spending their time exposing the DNA and the race of a high profile person. I, I just find that uh, just, just on a societal level, incredibly sad, uh, creepy and sad. That this is now where we live, that this is where the progressive left have taken us. The progressive left who, who claims that they are the ones that are best suited um, to help us heal and help us as a society become more fair, have more opportunity, become um, have more uh, equality of opportunity in terms of people from different backgrounds. And they, they're the ones that can lead the charge with regards to reconciliation. And so we've sort of enabled all of these leaders on the left um, to, to take the charge on this issue. And where has it led us? It has led us to a world that is obsessed with race, where everyone is divided in, in, in terms of, you know, what our background is, what our, what our skin color looks like, uh, the innate characteristics that you are born with. So instead of living in a society where, you know, we, 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 we try to minimize the importance of race and we try to maximize the importance of a person's character, their skills, their competence, their effort, uh, the, the work that they put in. Um, instead, we, we've sort of flipped it under the guidance of the radical left, the woke left, uh, race matters, skin color matters, uh, what your family lineage is, in some cases is more important than all of those other things. It, it, it's sort of a sad reflection on where we are and, and where we've been led to. And I, I do want to go through this story because it, it, it is remarkable. I can't, I just can't help reading through this and, and thinking not only did the CBC put all of this effort into trying to expose the race of this woman, but then the, the reaction is that everybody is sort of cheering them on. Uh, everyone in the legacy media is like, you know, applauding job well done CBC. And everyone in this woman's life, Dr. Carrie Barusa, is just completely like throwing her under the bus. Her career is over. All of her accomplishments are being called into question and being taken away. You know, not because she 
plagiarized her PhD, not because she, you know, lied and didn't actually complete the medical school that she said she was. No, as far as her skill set and her competency, that's all left unquestioned. But the only thing that is now being called into question is her race, is her DNA, and that is why everything is being taken away. And again, very sad reflection of where we are in a society. So let's let's get to this piece. So this individual, Dr. Carrie Brusa, she she seems like an incredibly impressive person. She is a professor over at the University of Saskatchewan, and she was the scientific director of the Canadian Institute of Health Research Institute of Indigenous People's Health, which is the leading Indigenous health research unit in Canada. So she's an impressive woman, and according to her own story, she came from a very, very dysfunctional background. She ha kind of has a rags to riches story. She grew up in a dysfunctional family in the inner city in, in, in a very sort of rough neighborhood. She was surrounded by addiction, violence, um, and she claims racism. And so she, she tells the story. She did a TEDx talk back in 2019 where she talked about her own personal story. So part of the story that we're being told here is that, you know, maybe when she was a, a young researcher, when she was working on her PhD, going to grad school, uh, she, she identified as Métis and she benefited from that, right? She was given um, extra opportunities, more scholarships, more bursaries. There's a lot of programming in Canada um, dedicated towards helping First Nations people who want to, um, you know, advance their education and have more opportunities available. So she was obviously uh, the beneficiary of this with a Métis identity. Um, and then as she sort of got, got more advanced in her career, she sort of started embellishing more and more. And so she started identifying as being from different tribes that she had never uh, claimed before. And even the way that she looked, the way that she dressed, she started wearing more sort of traditional uh, First Nations uh, clothing, which I guess was part of the reason that led the CBC to this story. Uh, to this investigation. So she did a TEDx talk where she said, my name is Morningstar Bear. She said, choking up, I'm just gonna say it, I'm emotional, the cloud applauded and cheered. I'm Bear Clan, I'm Anishinaabe Métis from Treaty 4 territory, she said, explaining that she grew up in the inner city in a dysfunctional family surrounded by addiction, violence, and racism. She said that her saving grace was her Métis grandfather who would often sit her on his knee and tell her, you're going to be a doctor, or a lawyer. He would make me repeat it over and over as there was chaos going on, usually violent, she said. And why would he make me say that? Because there was nobody in my family who had ever gone past grade eight. And so as this report details, and, and it is incredibly long and thorough, so she so, so, so it goes on to say that she um, began claiming uh, new, new heritage. She said that she was a descendant of the Tlingit a small group of indigenous people from Yukon and British Columbia. So, so the premise here is that we learn that she's probably not actually First Nations. She probably doesn't have a Métis grandfather. So what happened was her sister, she has a sister as well, who also claimed to be Métis, who also sort of benefited from the scholarships and the bursaries and all these things uh, because she was Métis. So both sisters seemed to genuinely believe that they were Métis. So her sister and her sister's husband decide in 2014 that they're going to go and take genealogy tests. This was when uh, the sort of 23andMe fad first started where you can go and you can give a saliva sample and you can get your genealogy records. Uh, you can you can learn them. My husband and I did it. It's really fun and really interesting. So apparently when uh, her sister did it, she learned that she wasn't First Nations at all. All of her relatives were from Eastern European. It seems that perhaps um, these genealogical records had been leaked to this reporter at the CBC who then went through and tried to create like this big family tree and log all of the um, immigration patterns of all of her various ancestors to prove that she's none of these things. She's not Métis. She's not a descendant of First Nations tribes in Yukon and the British Columbia. That is all sort of just an, an, an invention um, of her imagination. 
And, and, and so it seems like in, at that point in her life in 2014, when her sister said, look, it doesn't seem like we're actually First Nations, her sister turned away from the identity. It seemed at that point that Dr. Bruce has sort of leaned into it and, and sort of said, no, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe the evidence. I'm going to keep going with this and kind of went further and further into it, obviously uh, to the benefit of her career because she was celebrated and, and she rose to great prominence um, with this identity. So, so then again, we have the CBC going through and trying to track down all of her ancestors, again, just to prove that she was not actually First Nations, that she is from Eastern European, when she was finally sort of caught and, and it said, look, uh, we have the genealogical evidence that shows that you're not First Nations, you're not Métis. Uh, then Dr. Brosa sort of changed her story and said, well, I've been adopted into these communities. I was adopted into um, them in my 20s and then some later in life. And so her story kind of shifted from her being born First Nations um, to her being adopted into this family. And basically now, again, this woman's been thrown under the bus. The university has uh, backed away. And again, it doesn't look good for Dr. Carrie Bruce. It looks like a lot of her awards are going to be taken away, a lot of her positions. But just to take a step back, at this report. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. They have tracked down her, her entire family history. They look at, they have photos of family, family members from the early 1930s, um, just to say that, look, these people were not First Nations. They are, are clearly from Eastern European. And here is the evidence. I've never seen anything like this. I've, I've in, in, in all of my years reading the news, watching reports, I've never seen a takedown like this. Like if you compare it to the Elizabeth Warren story. So Elizabeth Warren kind of had a similar story in that she believed that she was part of the Cherokee Nation and she would use that identity um, it seemed like she probably used it uh, even when she was going to university, getting into school and getting her positions. Elizabeth Warren is a very celebrated lawyer in her field, and, and she ended up working at Harvard Law School. Well, it turns out when she was working at Harvard Law School, she identified as a minority. And it seems like when she was applying to go there, she, she sort of checked the box and said that I'm First Nations as well. Well, it, it, it all came out partially because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump saw that she was sort of rising to prominence in the Democratic Party and that she may be the Democratic nominee. He started calling her Pocahontas and kind of challenged her to go and take a DNA test and said that if uh, it turns out that she is First Nations, he'll, he would donate a bunch of money uh, to a charity. And so she went ahead and did it. She released her DNA records on her own volition. She decided on her own that she was going to do that. And it, and it turned out from her DNA records that the amount uh, that this, this wasn't part of the Cherokee Nation, that she really didn't have an ancestor who was First Nations. And if she did, it was, you know, one out of like, 64 ancestors or more like she had a very very small part not not enough to to warrant the claim that she was actually first nations uh, but again at least it was elizabeth warren herself who chose to go and do the dna test chose to make it public and at the time interestingly a, a lot of people on the left a lot of people in the media sort of defended her uh saying you know um, a lot of people have family lore, family stories that don't turn out to be true. And interestingly, the same thing happened. I mean, when I read this story as well, the other thing that I started thinking about was Maryam Monsef. Recall a couple of years ago, we learned that Maryam Monsef, who was a cabinet minister in the Trudeau government, she had this incredible story as well. Her origin story was touted throughout the media. It was, it was celebrated. Even Barack Obama mentioned her because we were told that she was a Afghan refugee who came to Canada uh, with her family. They fled the Taliban, came to Canada and got refuge. 
Uh, but we learned that she wasn't from Afghanistan, that, that that whole story that her being from Afghanistan was fabricated. And in fact, she lived in Iran. She was born in Iran. She grew up in Iran. Granted, she, she was still an Afghan person. She's Afghan ethnicity. But the idea that she wasn't actually born in the country that she said, that, that her family had already fled the war and was already living in Iran when she was born, it, it meant that, that so many elements of the story were fabricated. And we were supposed to believe at the time, she basically just blamed it all on her mother and said that her mother had kept it from her, her mother had lied, and it was her mother's fault. Uh, we're supposed to believe that a kid growing up in Iran um, until the age of like 11 or 12 didn't realize that it was Iran. She thought it was Afghanistan. Give me a break. Um, and, 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 so, and so again, we saw this huge defense from the legacy media. Even the prime minister came out and defended her and criticized anyone who was writing or talking about the story, saying that it didn't really matter, and that anyone who was talking about it was just sort of trying to like sow division in the country. And so, again, it's interesting because, you know, when, when it came to Marian Monsef, the media were there to defend her. And so here we have Heather Malik writing over the Toronto Star. She writes, birthers hands off Mariam Monsef, basically saying that children are not at fault when their parents peddle misinformation about the family's origin stories and that it shouldn't matter at all what Mariam Monsef's story actually is. And it's not her fault. It was her mother who mis who misrepresented her past, and so a child shouldn't be held responsible for a parent's misinformation, even when those children, like Marian Monsef, have grown into adults. Marian Monsef is an adult in her 30s. Um, it's still not her fault, even though she's peddling this false origin story for personal advancement. So interesting how the tables have now turned. If you look at how the Toronto Star is reporting on this uh, story about Dr. Carrie Barusa, it, it, it's pretty disturbing. Again, like basically they're calling for more investigations. They're calling for the groups like universities and other institutions to stamp down Indigenous identity fraud. So what they want people to launch their own investigative reports into people's heritage, people's race, people's background. Here is an op-ed over in the Globe and Mail. The Carrie Bruce's story is yet another example of a kind of cultural Munchausen syndrome. Munchausen syndrome is when you believe you're sick or you pretend to be sick to get more uh, sympathy and more attention um, from others. And so he's saying this is an example of it. They're really just a sneering piece of uh, writing here. He says, for the longest time, Bruce had told the world her ancestry was Métis. Uh, but since the reports questioning those claims, she has been unable to verify her ancestry. Now relieved of her high-profile position, she can spend all of her time jigging, beating, and carving totem poles. Real nice. Uh, Globe and Mail, National Post similarly just called her a fanciful white woman. Um, so, so, so you do see this sort of sneering from the media. And what, what I think is, is the absolute worst is this idea that we should have investigations into people's races to make sure that they are who they say they are. Look, I'm not defending this woman. I think it's wrong to lie. It's wrong to embellish your past. Um, it's wrong to pretend you are someone who you're not. I, I do believe, though, the fact that both her and her sister both once claimed to be Métis seems that there was some genuine confusion on her part about her family history. It's, it's the case with so many people across Western Canada. I mean, we only know our own family heritage based on the stories that our parents tell us, the stories that we hear uh, from our families. And so if there is sort of uh, folklore that's mixed in with uh, family history. It's, it's hard for someone to know and tell. So many people in Western Canada do have a First Nation relative, people who don't identify as First Nations at all. They might have one grandparent or one great-grandparent um, who is part of a tribe or who is status native. And again, it's, it's, it's hard as a society like that we all should supposed to be bookkeeping and keeping track of all of our relatives and all of our race. Here we are as a society under the guidance of the radical left. They care more about race than anything else. And because of it, 
this is identity politics. It, it divides us up based on a race. It pisses against each other. So when I was growing up in Canada in the 1980s and 1990s, I was told and I genuinely believed that the goal of our society was to build a country that had moved past racial animosity, that we were a country that didn't judge people based on the race, they didn't care about your skin color, uh, where people could succeed based on merit, based on their own competence, their own character, their own effort, and what they do. And that, that race didn't define us, it didn't hold us back, and it didn't give some people an advantage over other people. And that is the country that I grew up in. I saw friends, I saw peers, I saw people all around uh, reach great success success based on their skills, based on their own efforts, not based on what they looked like, not based on their race, not based on where they came. I saw so many people who came from other countries. They may have been discriminated against in other countries. They may have been refugees in other countries. They came to Canada because they were smart, because they worked hard. They were able to be successful. And that should be the goal of the society. That is the society that I want to live in. That is the Canada that I grew up in. But sadly, I think this story, the story of Dr. Kerry Barusa and the way that the media, just the very fact that the CBC did this investigation in the first place, the, the way that they did it, and the way that everyone is sort of cheering on uh, the demise of this woman, it clearly shows that, that this goal of a, a society that doesn't care about race, um, that that's no longer the goal of our society. Instead, we are a society that is obsessed with race, and it is not looking good. It is not pretty. This is where the woke left has taken us. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.